Welcome to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. This is the second in a three-part series on the fascinating topic of how corporate security practices affect our experience as workers, especially as we look at the experience of remote workers or, or those that will be moving into a hybrid office. I think the big question is this. How do enterprises create security practices that balance our growing security needs with end user experience? If you recall, in part one of this series, Mark Pesci, the host of the Next Billion Seconds podcast, sat down with Leon Sayers of Unisys to look at some of the gaps that exist between what enterprises expect versus what remote workers are actually doing regarding securing their remote office. In part two of this series, Mark turns his attention to Gergana Windsor, the industry director of cybersecurity for the Asia-Pacific region at Unisys. And Mark and Gergana talk about some insights from the latest Unisys Security Index survey. Now, this is the 15th year that Unisys has conducted the survey, and it makes it the longest running such survey in the industry. So it has some really interesting data to share. This year, our focus is on security practices relating to the pandemic. No surprise there. Well, Mark and Gergana look deeper into the gaps between when or what enterprises expect versus what remote workers are actually doing regarding securing their remote office. And then Gergana also shares some observations as to what enterprises need to do to close that gap and to help get remote workers to be more security conscious. Let's listen in to Mark and Gergana's conversation. As Leon just indicated, we're more concerned about internet security than we've been. That's a function of being online more than ever before, especially for work. What do we think about that? And do we even know how to think about that? To help us get some clear air on a dense topic, let's welcome Gergana Windsor, Unisys Industry Director of Cybersecurity for the Asia-Pacific region. Welcome, Gergana. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. So it sounds like internet security is really front of mind in this year's index. Yes, clearly it is because, you know, COVID pushed us to be constantly online, to work from home, like Leon was saying just, just now. And then obviously to shop, ask me about it, and to watch <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> and the cyber criminals have used this to their advantage, obviously, right? So there are two key ways they've been doing that. Number one, most people's home Wi-Fi is not secure. And when they are in the office, so they look for ways to break in, right? And then the malicious criminals also use COVID-related issues and trends in phishing attacks to trick people into clicking on links or revealing personal information, et cetera. Like, I don't know, have you recently received any text messages telling you that you have um, uh, something to collect from the post office and to click and things like that, even if yes. you weren't expecting a delivery, right? Yes, so even if you weren't expecting the delivery, most of us can't remember that uh, what we bought online and it's very tempting to click. So please don't. You might launch like a malware or they might trick you into entering your credit card details. All right. So you put out so many really good questions. I think most people don't even really give a thought about the security on their Wi-Fi or how to improve it. And all of this other stuff about cl not clicking on links and things like that. Are we getting any training around this? And, and 
Who do we think is actually responsible for our safety in these situations? That That is a really good question. Interestingly, um, the majority of Aussies and Kiwis, like two-thirds, say that the individual is responsible for protecting the data when they work from home. Some say it's also the employer's job. So it's like kind of a divided. All right. But if we, two-thirds of us think, okay, yes, this is our job. It's, it's the employer's laptop, but we're responsible for it when it's at our home and we're working from home. Do we know enough to manage our online safety? I don't think so. <laughs> and that is the big Uh-oh. issue, right? So we are not we are not up to the job, like not at all. Many people don't know what risks to look for or how to avoid them. Like, for example, four in 10 uh, of the people we have interviewed say that they weren't wary of clicking on links in emails or social apps, for example. Um, then more than half, like 60% on top of my mind, weren't aware of phishing via SMS, like smishing, that's the technical term. Almost half aren't as careful with their mobile devices as they are with their laptop, like their work laptop. So remember, these people could be your employees, suppliers or partners. So then, you know, given this large number of risks and the fact that we're not necessarily focusing on where the risk points are, if something bad happens, do we know what to do about it? Actually, we don't. And that (sighs) is what 82% of Aussies and Kiwis report. They actually do not know where to go or who to report to if a cyber breach was to happen. Yeah, and this is interesting because when I saw the problems on my credit card, I knew that I had to call the bank, right? I knew exactly what I had to do because everyone knows that. Because I guess we've had credit cards for so long, that's kind of common knowledge. But if I had a data breach and some data from a client was stolen, I wouldn't know who to go to. All right, so we have been talking about people accidentally behaving in a way that could contribute to a data breach that could add to the risks. Are people doing this on purpose? Interestingly, yes. Oh. (laughs) One way to knowingly disregard a cybersecurity risk is when employees download unauthorized software or apps. Mm. And uh, we have seen that 43% of Aussies and about 34% of Kiwis admit that they have downloaded unapproved apps or software on their work uh, hardware. So the top reasons um, given for doing so are that it is better than the tools my company provided. They they say so, right? And mm-hmm. they also say, I use them in my personal life and want to use them for work too. So in a way, their behavior is being driven by a desired employee experience. They're looking for great customer experience. There's a big link between employee experience and security, as you can see. Like we're seeing that more and more, also to Leon's point before. And this requires a different conversation to find out why they do it. Is there really a gap in tools or do they not want to use uh, those tools that they already have or they don't know how to use what they already have, right? It requires a real open conversation with management, with the leadership, and to actually really understand what is really needed. You know, that there has to be like a real cultural shift, like almost like a revolution and security teams need to focus on the user experience. That would be a big change in approach. 
And I have seen this with some of my other clients when they introduce a new way of working that the change management process, that being very clear and transparent with the people who will be using the new tool, telling them why it's coming, when it's coming, and then actually involving them in that process is the way to get them behind it so that they do adopt the tool and they do decrease the risk. All right. Can education fix any of this? And who is responsible for that education? Education is definitely part of the solution. It has always been, it will always be. Training must be repeated and continually improved and updated in order to ensure that people are alert to what's new, like what are the new sophisticated threats out there or the old tricks, so to speak, but they've been, you know, educated on it. So this will definitely empower employees to protect themselves um, in this, you know, ever-changing cybersecurity landscape. But, you know, organizations also need a holistic approach to security that includes processes, policies, and obviously new technologies that we're seeing coming out on the market in order to make it extra hard for people to do the right, the wrong thing without intending, right? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the most interesting parts of all of the results, when we took a look at how many people knew what SIM jacking was, which is basically where you take control of someone's SIM in their mobile to then redirect the traffic and steal passwords and things like this. I remember the numbers from Australia. Very few Australians were aware of it, sort of like 20 to 30 percent, except in the Australian capital territory where it was 80 percent. And the reason is because there's a lot of public service there and mm-hmm. they get training on that That's so it. that they're aware of that. Right. Gargana, thank you so much for your insights. Thank you, Mark. That was Mark Pesci of the Next Billion Seconds podcast and Gargana Windsor of Unisys sharing some interesting insights as to how to close the security gap that the pandemic has created in many home offices around the world. Look for part three of this series where Mark continues the conversation, this time with the Global Director for Identity and Biometrics at Unisys, David Chadwick. Mark and David will sit down and take a look at the future. What are some of the new security technologies and how will they be used to enable the hybrid office? Tune into episode three of this series to find out. This is the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Thank you for listening.